Good morning, church. I've just got to say it's a real privilege to be up here to speak with you this morning. Many of you remember when Janet and I were first a part of this church, and actually before it became a church, we were a part of the Tulsa Urban Ministry. We came from Jinx Church, worked with the Park Plaza group, and and uh, it's always been uh, so easy to serve here for, for me, mostly because of Babbitt. Uh, he he uh, texted me Friday night asking me if I would preach this morning, and uh, he knew I already had a sermon prepared that I was going to preach this summer at my uh, state convention of my union uh, where I would preach in the chapel service. Uh, so it's not like it's, I've worked on this for just a couple of days. I've, I've had this prepared for a while. But anyway, it's easy to serve when Ron asks you to do something here, and I appreciate that. I remember when in the early days before we were a church, Ron got a big load of hams from the hamlet. I think uh, the owner's name is Cindy. I can't remember her last name, but... And he called me and Janet and asked us to go out and to distribute 15 or 20 hams one night at the apartment complexes, the Normandy Apartments. I was scared to death. I didn't know anybody there. But because Ron asked me to do it, I, Janet and I went out there and we, we gave them their Christmas hams, uh, knocking on doors of strangers in the middle of the night. But everything else since then has been a lot easier. So, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) this morning I'm going to be talking about grace and our faith and, and how God uses those to make a masterpiece out of our lives. I have a book here. You may not be able to read what it is. It's not a Bible. It's Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. I'm going to confess to you, I've not read this. Janet's read about halfway through, though, so I I borrowed it from her. How many have read Les Miserables? Kyler, and I know Kyler told me earlier he had seen the Broadway play or a version of the play a few times when it's come through Tulsa and a few other places. Janet and I watched it. um, We rented it this spring. And the story, if you've never read it or, or watched it in a play or on film, it's a masterpiece in storytelling. At the beginning of the story, Jean Valjean is the main character. He has been in prison for 19 years. He had gone to prison because he had stolen a loaf of bread to feed his sister and her starving children. And after 19 years of basically torture in the French prison system, uh, he was about to be released. One of the other main characters is named Javert. He's the police officer who interacts with uh, Valjean most of the movie. He was there in the prison, and he will follow him throughout his life. Javert was a man who 
knew the law, and he enforced the law, but he never really understood justice or mercy or humility. So he pursued Valjean throughout his life, even after he was released after serving his sentence. He, he saw Valjean as a worthless man, completely irredeemable. And the problem was after Jean Valjean was released from prison, he tried to make it on his own, but every time he almost had a job, he was den- denied it. It's hard to get a job when you have a prison record. His record followed him, and he tried for many, many days, many weeks, and he was desperate. And then a local priest in his community takes him in, gives him a place to stay for the night, feeds him the best meal he's had in at least 19 years. This priest showed him grace. But that wasn't the end of the grace that he showed him. Because even though he'd been shown grace, Valjean stole the silverware from the priest's home and was out and was going to sell it in order to start life over again for himself. But he was caught by Javert and arrested. When he was taken back to the priest's home to uh, have charges pressed, the priest said, no, no, we don't need to do that. You forgot to take the candlesticks with you. So that was the most amazing display of grace that Valjean had ever experienced in his life, and it changed him from that point on. He did take what the priest gave him, and he he started a new life for himself. He did good in his community. He helped others. He started a business, and he, he employed many people who would have been unemployed otherwise. He, uh, he even became the mayor of his small town within a few years. He became a force for good in his community. And there was one night when one of his former employees was out on the street, and she had resorted to prostitution. But that night she was beaten by one of the men she was serving. She was near death. And Valjean tried to save her life, too. He knew what it was like to be desperate, and he knew what it was like to be unwanted. Unfortunately, he could not save her life. But he did take her daughter in, and her young daughter, and raised her as his own. And throughout the rest of his life, he kept trying to do good for this daughter and for the others around him. But Javert, the police officer who had been his nemesis throughout the entire story of his life from his imprisonment on, he kept following him. He kept chasing him down, trying to bring him back as a criminal. He made his life miserable. But no no matter what misery Valjean went through, 
he still tried to do what was best for the people around him. He tried to help his daughter out, his, uh, his friends. It didn't matter. He, he had been shown grace, and he was determined to show grace and mercy to others. His story became a masterpiece. Now, if you'd like to turn in your Bible or, uh, or your Bible app to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to get into how God creates a masterpiece out of our lives. At the beginning of the second chapter of Ephesians, we see ourselves much like Jean Valjean. We've been trapped by our sins, and we've been ensnared by Satan. He's pursuing us. He's making life difficult for us, mostly because of what we have already done in our lives. You may be able to remember back when you, were, you felt guilty and without hope. That's how the second chapter of Ephesians starts. You may remember thinking to yourself, why did I do that? What was I thinking? Why did I hurt her? Why did I lie about him? Why did I drink so much when I knew what would happen to me? Why did I have to brag? What good did it do? How could I ever be forgiven? And those are hard emotions to go through, to deal with. And then if you're like me, it got even worse. You realize that what you have done to others has not only harmed yourself and them, but it's harmed God. It's hurt God. You hear the story about Jesus and how he was betrayed by a friend, and you realize, I've betrayed Jesus too. You, uh, you read about how he was mocked, and you understand that you've mocked Jesus too. And then you see a movie like the Passion of the Christ, uh, 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 yeah, the Passion of the Christ. You see how he was beaten, and how his flesh was ripped from his from his uh, bones. And you see the nails that were driven into his into his hands and his feet, and you realize that you were responsible for that. You deserved it, but he took, he took what was owed to you, to me. And that realization hits you hard. You begin to understand that nothing you could ever do could make up for what you have done. And you wish you could start over. You wish you could just die to your old, your old life and be born again with a fresh life. And now I'm going to have my son uh, come up. Chris uh, will come up and read a, a scripture. It'll be Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. But you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He is creating a new in Christ Jesus. So can so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Thank you, Chris. When you read uh when when you heard Chris read the scripture, I hope three words stood out to you. God's well, grace, belief, and a masterpiece. He uses the grace just like he did with Valjean. The priest used the the priest the priest grace changed the life of Valjean. He became a man of faith, and his life became a masterpiece. Now, through your faith in Christ, you get to start over again. Jesus called it being born again. In, in the third chapter of John. And the Apostle Paul in the, in the sixth chapter of Romans, he used the imagery of baptism when he talked about how we die to ourselves. And behind this screen, there's a baptistry, and we've seen many people go under the water, buried, buried with Christ, risen to live a new life of grace. This is what we have yearned for when we have been overwhelmed by the guilt of our lives. We've wanted a new beginning. And being born again is the new beginning. Back in 2002, I'm going to give you a little history of the church here. Uh, There's part of the history of the church that I don't know because we were gone for about eight years. But at the beginning... The first year that we were a church, we hosted the National Urban Ministry Conference. Uh, it was a, it's a national conference. Uh, I believe it's still going on, isn't it? Uh, Ron, is it? Kyler? Yes, it's still going on. It's held in a different city every year. In 2002, it was held here at the Contact Church Building. And there were many great speakers. But I remember one in particular. I I saw him alone back in the kitchen area getting some coffee while we were getting donuts and coffee, preparing for the conference to begin. And he was well-dressed, but he didn't seem to be with anyone else. He wasn't with a church group or anybody that I noticed. I kind of thought maybe he had wandered in off the streets. (laughs) But I was shocked when he got up to speak that night. It was John Perkins, a very well-known civil rights leader. I got to know a little bit more about him when I read his autobiography. He recently celebrated his 90th birthday, and he's still around. But he, he yeah, praise God, he was, uh, he was born in Mississippi in 1930, and as a young man, as a, actually as a teenage boy, uh, he, uh, he was about 15 or 16 when his brother, older brother, came home from World War II. He came home a hero. He had, he had fought the, 
the war against the fascist uh, in Europe and the the emperor worshippers in Japan in Asia. So he came home a hero, but he was not a hero to everyone. While waiting in line for a movie, John Perkins' brother bumped into a police officer who shot him and killed him. And this, this really affected John Perkins. He became so angry that his family had to send him to California, away from Mississippi, to save his life because they were afraid he was going to do something stupid and take, try to take revenge. He didn't know God at the time. He didn't know Jesus. But he, he went there. He got a job. He got married. He had children. And his young boy started going to church somewhere, went to vacation Bible school, Sunday school. He started talking to his father about Jesus, and soon his father started coming along with him. And he became a believer, and it changed his life. He gave up on the bitterness, and he decided, I'm going to go back to Mississippi and do some good for my community. So he went back to Mississippi in the 60s, maybe the late 50s. Uh, I'd have to look that up again, but he went back to Mississippi, and he, he planted a few churches. He started helping people in need. He became a leader in the civil rights movement there helping people register to vote, but he still had enemies. He was still plagued by some of the law enforcement officers, and he was arrested one night. He was set up uh, when he went to the local jail to bail out some uh, young college students that had been working with him and had been arrested. And He was beaten. He was beaten badly, almost to death. A fork was shoved up his nose. Then when the rumor came to the police that the FBI were on their way to investigate, they made him clean clean up his own blood. But he survived the attack. And he determined from that point on that the gospel he believed was not just for his race. He worked, he has been working for the rest of his life to reconcile people to Christ and to each other, no matter what their race may be. His life, his story became a masterpiece also. So when your life is changed by the grace of God, when you believe in the one who offers this grace, your life starts to become a masterpiece. You begin to see ways in which you can extend grace and mercy to others. You begin to see the good things you can do in this world for for the sake of the one who did good things for you. Now, this doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy. It doesn't solve all of your problems. Your, uh, Your past may continue to haunt you like it did Valjean. And you may continue to face heartache and disappointment, uh, a chronic illness, 
the loss of a job, a divorce, bankruptcy, betrayal of friends, a prodigal child, the loss of your reputation, and any number of other things. But what it does mean is that God will work through your disappointments and heartaches to create a masterpiece out of your life as you continue to follow his son, as you keep in step with his spirit, as you extend grace to others, and keep doing good in his name. I know we have another song, but I'd like to pray before Kyler comes up here to sing, uh, to lead us in another song, if you'll pray with me. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for helping us to believe. Thank you for giving us hope that our lives can someday be a masterpiece in the end. In Jesus' name, amen.